0: Episode nine thirty one of the Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, and Jason Collette is out of town this weekend, so I'm bringing in a ringer, bringing in a pitch hitter, bringing in Eric Cross of Fan Tracks. Eric, how you doing? Doing well, Justin. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Just uh, another beautiful Sunday here out here in California. Uh, games are gonna get rolling here very shortly, uh, but you and I are gonna talk. Some news and notes, uh, a bunch of kind of prospect guys uh, on the list, uh, just because that's uh, what we're ta- that's what's kind of in the news. And then uh, we're going to talk about some fabs, some guys that are being picked up in leagues right now that will get you ready for fab tonight, for those of you who can listen on this beautiful Sunday. Before we do, want to remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then kind of talk a little bit about what you do over at Fantrax.
1: Yeah, everyone can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Eric Cross zero four. Uh, do a lot of a lot of stuff over at Fantrax HQ. Uh, been there for over four years now since I basically started writing back in 2017. Uh, do a little bit of a mix of everything. I do some redraft stuff, some dynasty stuff, some prospect work. Uh, got a couple podcasts: the Five Tool Podcast and the Fantrax Toolsheds. Check those out. And uh, yeah, just, just love writing. So I just write as much as
0: I can, really. <laughs> Definitely go follow all of uh, Eric's work. Love your prospect stuff. Helps me Thank like him. not have to do as much prospect. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you know, it's just only so much I can cover. Uh, right, so yeah. I rely on you and other guys in the industry to do a lot of the work and heavy lifting for me. Um, so definitely follow Eric on Twitter. Uh, check out all his stuff over at FanTrack. Check out his podcast too. I've been on. I've been on a couple of those. There, there's some good pods. So. Uh, I like let's uh let's talk about some news and notes before we get into the fab uh, for this week uh, Leah Adam gets traded to Milwaukee and everybody rejoices because right it means the beginning of the Wonder Franco eight oh eight no it's not the beginning of the <laughs> Wonder Franco age uh, Taylor walls gets called up so let's start with William Adam moving over to Milwaukee. Uh, do you think he's going to get full run over there? And what is his value moving forward? I think he will. They've, they've been trying to find their shorts,
1: like a consistent shortstop for a while now. And they haven't, they've been really struggling to find that. So I think they're going to at least give Adami's a shot to be that full-time guy. And it's kind of interesting too. I was looking at his home and away splits over his career and they're very drastically different. Like, at home, is slashes 217, 275, 341, 16 home runs, 31.2% K rate, and 622 plate appearances on the road, 293, 365, 499, with 27 home runs and 636 plate appearances. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily a trop thing or if it's just like he doesn't perform well at home no matter where he is. That will be kind of interesting to see how he performs now that he's out of the trop. But he's, I think he's at least worth a look. He's probably, you know, on the waiver wire in most leagues, most like 12 teamers. So he's probably worth a look here. But, yeah, I do think they give him some run here because, like I said, they've been looking for that shortstop for a while now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason for them not to give uh, right. him, you know, the kind of the full-time role. And like you said, like, I think everybody forgets, like, because the L, our AL East is so great to hit in because you've got all these parks like Camden, like Fenway, like Yankee Stadium, uh like wherever Toronto plays their games <laughs> year year to year. Um uh, like these they're all great stadiums to hit in, but Tampa Bay is not a great stadium to hit in. And uh so I think moving to a place like Miller Park uh is going to be really really beneficial for him. Not to mention I think there's a real chance he can bat a little bit higher up in this lineup uh batted six yesterday he's batting seventh today so you'd like to see it a little bit higher than that but he's got power he's got speed like I I just always thought it would kind of come together for him obviously striking out at a 35-36% rate uh hurts is you know hurts him quite a bit but uh maybe this is kind of the move he needs so I, I think especially in deeper formats I'm I'm taking a look at Willie Adamas, uh especially if he's gonna be playing every day and it so far Two two games he's in both of them, so I think it's a good start to his Brewer career.
1: Yeah, I think he could definitely move up too because mm-hmm. you look at the lineup outside of like the top three, which is pretty much cemented with with Wong, with Kane, with Yelich back, though he might go on the on the IL again any any minute now. Yeah, the rest of it's like you know you get Omar Narvez, Abi Garcia, Vogelbach. It's not like guys that are cemented in like that four five six range, so. Yeah, I think you could say move up maybe into that five six range if he hits well.
0: Who knows? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Uh, what about Taylor Walls? So he he's the call up. Uh, he's been super hot in uh, in AAA to start the year. Uh, and Jason was, uh, you know, he's not here today. He'd he'd be he'd be in you know, a pounding his chest right now because he was talking <laughs> about Taylor Walls before the start of the season and did say like he was going to be up long before Wander Franco. So. Are you interested in Taylor Walls uh, as a uh, fantasy option? A little bit,
1: yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny because Walls, you know, he's not a high upside prospect by any means. But he doesn't get nearly as much love because he's always been in the shadow of all the bigger names in the Tampa Bay system. You know, mainly Aguander Franco, Vidal Brujan, you know, so on and so forth. So he kind of goes under underlooked, you know, or overlooked, I should say, undervalued. Um, he's a solid prospect, 279 career hitter in the minor leagues, 369 OBP, gets on base fairly well, good contact skills, got some solid speed as well, Uh, 66 steals in 276 games, and the power, you know, wasn't there, you know, in the low minors, but it was kind of coming along, you know, as he progressed. He had uh, a career-high 10 home runs in 96 games back in 2019. I don't think he's ever going to be a 20-homer guy or anything like that, but I think he could be like a 10 to 15 home run guy, 15 to 18 steals or so, give you a decent average, decent OBP. Um, I think long term, I don't know where he fits long term once all these guys are up. Uh, maybe he slides into like a you know super utility infield role or something like that long term. But but for now, I think he's definitely worth a look in deeper leagues, you know, like 15 plus team leagues because he can do a little bit of everything. And he's got to get some run here. Uh, it didn't surprise me at all that he got the call because everyone was like, you know, wanted Wander up, but like Wander's not on the forty man right now. Both Bruhan and Walls were, and they needed a shortstop with Adame's gone, and Brujan's more of a second baseman slash outfielder. So Walls was definitely the the right call if they needed a shortstop. So um, yeah, I think you can
0: provide some sneaky good value in in deeper leagues with uh, with Franco and Bruhan eventually making their way up like where does walls play long term do you think he is that utility guy can he slide into the outfield like is he uh is he a guy who can play all over i know he he profiles as kind of a a glove first type of prospect uh, that isn't yep. a zero with a bat um but like what for for people who are like maybe grabbing him in keeper leagues because you know maybe they're in shallower leagues or uh, leagues where they don't really look at these guys typically like is he going to be able to have an every, everyday role long term
1: i think he could it, it's kind of interesting because the rays have really been moving a lot of their top guys around and like wander's cut had time this year at second base third base and short Brujan, second base, and then all three outfield spots as well. So I think they're, I think the Rays are trying to figure that out. Like how, what's the long-term, you know, puzzle look like here? Where do these pieces slot in? So I do think there's a chance that Walls could get some run over the next few years as the starting shortstop with maybe Wander playing second or third. Brujan probably moving, maybe he's he's the long-term center fielder there. Uh, So I I do think there's a chance. And if not, I think he's one of those guys kind of like, you know, Cronenworth was earlier in the year that's just playing you know, at five, six days a week at multiple positions, still enough to you know provide some fantasy value. So
0: I think there's definitely a chance here that Wallace could have some long-term value. Nice. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about him, so I'm just going to let you be the definitive word today on Taylor <laughs> Walls. Uh, how long until we see Wander Franco and Vidal Brujan? Because these are guys that are top-tier fantasy prospects, uh, that people, some people, especially with Franco, were drafting him inside the top 300, inside the top 250. You saw him go inside the top 200 at times, uh, mm-hmm. even late in drafts, because we, we had some uh, spring training looks at him. Um, people were getting excited. We know the Rays are the most frustrating organization when it comes to these guys. And so this is why I typically avoid race prospects unless they've already made a debut. Any thoughts to when these guys will be up?
1: Yeah, like you mentioned, it, it's tough.
0: You know, the Rays,
1: along with the Rockies, are really frustrating with, with the young guys. I personally think we we see both Bruhan and Wander by the All Star break. Bruhan probably sooner, because like, as I mentioned, he's on the forty man. Wander's not, so you know all that, and that's not a hard thing that, you know. Uh, circumvent, but you know they'll have to you know DFA someone, trade someone, whatever to get Wander up, but um, I do think Brujan's up so- sooner because outside of him being on the 40 man, he's also performing much better right now. Wander started off the, off the year hot he's kind of been sliding lately averaged down to 269 been striking out more than he ever has even though that's still only like 12%, but that's like way high for Wander Franco, usually he's like 7%, um, but Brujan is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball 338, 427, 677 slash seven home runs, seven steals, and 75 player appearances. He's always had the great contact skills, the great approach, the elite speed, like 35, 40 steel wheels, and that power coming along this year has been absolutely magnificent. And I kind of thought that, when you know, when we were all out at first pitch Florida, uh, should be first pitch Arizona back in 2019, watching, you know, the, all the AFL action, you know, he's He showed that, like, all right, he has some more untapped power. Like, he's not a big guy at all, but the bat speed, the torque in his swing, he can really drive the ball in the air. Um, So, I I had a feeling that he could show more power. I didn't think he'd have, you know, like seven home runs and 75 plate appearances this year, but but yeah, glad to see that the power has come along for Brujan, um, that he can just do everything very well. Uh, I think he could really be, he might be the better fantasy asset for 2021. It's because he, he'll be up sooner probably. Um, and in fact, he can just do everything right now. And Wander is still like the tools are obviously there with Wander, but I think he's, might be one of those guys that doesn't hit the ground running, like dominating right away, maybe in the average department. Sure. but Maybe he's not showing great power or speed right away. I think Brujan can. So um, yeah, I think they're, they're both within a month and a half or so, uh, but I'd probably lean Bruhan for
0: this year. Yeah. I mean, I've always really liked little Bruhan. Yeah, uh, I've gotten him in as many dynasty leagues as I can get him on. Uh, you know, but because uh, I do think he's gonna be a really, really good fantasy asset, especially with that speed, uh, his contact ability, and the fact he just does not strike out. I mean, he he he's had, uh, you know, sub twenty percent, mostly sub fifteen percent uh, strikeout rates all throughout the minors, uh, mm-hmm. and that that really profiles to be a, a really impact player, uh, in fantasy. I think Wander's going to be really, really good. I just, I just, I don't know when he's going to be up, uh, but uh, we'll see. Ho- hopefully, you're right. I'd love to see them up before the All Star break because I think that would be great for baseball. I think it'd be great for fantasy players. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see though. Got to just keep stashing these guys if you can. Obviously, it's hard to do with all the injuries and things going on this year. So I can understand when uh, people aren't able to. Right. Uh, Kevin Biggio hits the IL with a, uh, a spine sprain. I, I don't even know what this is like. This <laughs> this is not an injury that we're used to hearing about, uh, right. in baseball. A cervical spine ligament sprain sounds really, uh, gross. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Biggio? Do you think he should be dropped in leagues where you're having trouble rostering so many injured guys? I do. First off, yeah, that that injury,
1: first of it, it sounds very painful. Yeah. Like how do you sprain your spine? Um, I don't know. I, I I'm kind of getting some back pain just saying that I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it right now. But yeah, with, with that back injury, we've seen how back injuries can linger. Like Yelich has been off often on the IL with his back injury this year. It could these have a way of lingering and affecting a lot. You know, we we know with baseball. Having back injuries affects so much, especially when you're swinging a bat. All the torque that goes to the, you know, your middle part of your body that can really affect you swinging a bat. And it's not like he was like performing well either. Like I've given him the nickname Captain Blue Ball. So when you look at his <laughs> his Savant page, it's just like all blue balls. Like in this year, you know, he's been bottom fifteen percent in xBA, x Slug, hard hit rate, barrel rate, strikeout rate. His walk rates down, K rates up, whiff rates up. He's being way more aggressive, chasing more. Like uh, the, the sprint speed is still pretty good. I think it's like eighty fourth percentile or something, that, something like that. But when you're not getting on base as much, like he's has a three ten OBP, and that's very unbizio like. But he's just not hitting the ball well enough. Like he's still walking like thirteen or so percent, which is very good, even though it's down for him. But he's just whiffing against everything, struggling against fastballs, off-speed, breaking balls. He was, like, moving towards a borderline drop for me before this. And now, yeah, if you've got the IL spots to, you know, to put him there, sure, I guess. You know, he's got the upside, I guess. But, if, yeah, if you're struggling to, you know, if you got a lot of these injuries like most of us have, like, you know, this year, with everyone's getting hurt. So if you're, you know, struggling to, you know, if you don't have a spot for him on the IL – I'd be fine dropping him cuz I don't know when he's to be back.
0: Like <laughs> this type of back injury It doesn't who sound knows like the timetable is It doesn't sound like he's going to miss a ton of time. Uh Charlie yeah. Montoya said that they they don't think it's serious. I don't my but biggest issue Yeah, it's it's back and then he like you said, he just has not been producing. Yeah. Uh I mean, we're talking about a guy hitting 205 315 315. Like when when the yeah. OPP and slugging are the same, that's that's not typically a, a very good <laughs> sign uh, for fantasy, especially someone you're expecting at least some power from. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm okay dropping him, especially in shallower formats if you don't have an IL or your IL slots are filled. I mean, it's hard to drop a guy who's eligible just everywhere uh, because they do offer so much flexibility. Uh, mm. But nothing I've seen from him this year gives me a lot of. Warm and fuzzy feelings, like he can be any better than he really has been. He's actually his ex batting average is one ninety four right now. Like he's deserved worse. Yeah, (laughs) he's deserved a lot of the kind of crap he's put up this year. Uh, So yeah, I'm I've been a a Biggio guy in the past, and I think I'm I'm ready to move on in in my shallower formats. Uh, Obviously, you know, fifteen team mixed leagues or deeper mixed leagues where there's not a lot of replacement. On the waiver wire, you're probably gonna want to just hold him, especially for that eligibility. But if you're playing in like a 10 team mix, it's I think he's a cut right now. Yep, agreed. All right, let's uh let's move on uh to Spencer Howard. Uh Spencer Howard is, you know, kind of former top prospect, uh pitching prospect for the Phillies. He uh, comes back uh, What are your thoughts on Howard moving forward? Is this a guy people should be targeting in Fab?
1: I think they should. I really like Spencer Howard. I've always been a big Spencer Howard guy. He's got three really good pitches. You know, fastball, slider, changeup. He mixes in an occasional curve, but it's very seldom used. But all three of those other pitches are above average to plus pitches. You know, averages around 94 on the fastball with good movement. Both the slider and the changeup are very good pitches. That changeup is easily a plus pitch. And he kind of showed that yesterday against the Red Sox. He was getting a ton of swing and misses on that. He had a 37% CSW yesterday against the Red Sox. It was a little wild. He had four walks uh, in that game, but was looking really, really good outside of those walks. And and he's never been a really good. He's not like a Bieber-type control guy, but he showed better control in the minors. Walk rate was under 9%, so not great, but not terrible there. Nothing that's going to get you in trouble. Um, But yeah, I do think he's going to be a solid asset the rest of the season. You know, the Philadelphia Phillies were using him in relief earlier in the year. Then they sent him down, get him stretched out. Uh, so it's like they want to use him in the rotation, which I think is the right move because he's one of their better pitchers long-term, I think. I think he could be like a, a guy that they can add to Wheeler and to Nola, like maybe be their, their three long-term or something like that. Uh, very good upside with Howard. Misses a lot of bats for those three offerings that I mentioned. So, yeah, I do think there's a good chance he could be – a you know, very good asset rest of the year, maybe a borderline top sixty SP or something like that. So yeah, definitely would be looking to target Howard if he's available.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I really like Howard a lot. Uh, one of one of the uh, bold predictions uh, that someone said on, I think it was Potapalooza. It was Doug Thorburn said that his bold prediction that Spencer Howard was going to be the best Philly starting pitcher this year. Ooh, Prior to the season, I, when it's I missed from that, but I like it. Yeah, when you're when it's coming from Doug, who knows pitching about as well as anybody, uh, you you really take a look, and uh, I mean, I, I like how many pitches he has. Uh, you know, he was he was throwing uh, three of them yesterday. He gets he gets swings and misses. Swing strike rate around you know fifteen percent throughout the minor leagues. Uh, I, I you know obviously the the control uh, can be an issue at times, but I do, you know, he pitches in the National League, gets to go up against the pitcher, uh, always helps. Yeah, I, I like Spencer Howard quite a bit, and the fact that the the kind of the stat line, the surface stat line yesterday uh, wasn't great, I think he'll be a little bit buried in fab this week. So, like, I don't think he's a guy you've got to break the bank for, uh, but I do think he's a guy who can stick in the rotation, and uh, he reminds me of just every single prospect that doesn't succeed, out of the gate right people in fantasy just write them off and those are the guys that i love to target uh because their their value can only go up and i think he's one of those guys i I don't mind putting you know 20 30 bucks on him in fab this week trying to sneak him through and and maybe getting a really good usable pitcher the rest of the way and and maybe if doug's right you you've got a stud (laughs) in the making so uh maybe a good time to try to go out and get spencer howard
1: yeah, no, I totally agree, and I'm, I'm with you. I like to target the, you know, the rookies that don't succeed right away because we've been really spoiled with the the uh, Cunhas, the Sotos, the Tatisas, where we we got to remember, like, those are the, you know, those aren't the expectations. Those are the exceptions to the rule, like not every prospect, especially on the pitching side of things. Like, we know it takes a little bit longer to find your footing in the major leagues as a, as a rookie pitcher. That's why I, I was targeting Casey Mize earlier in the year, um, cause he was you know hasn't really lived up to expectations so far, but he's turning it around. And it takes these guys a little bit more time to turn it around. And yeah, you'll get your occasional guys like last year we had what Ian Anderson and Sixto performed very well, but those were really the only two. All the other guys, like even Howard, Pearson, the Detroit guys, they all kind of struggled or at least didn't pitch as up to expectations. So you just gotta be patient with these guys, but the the talent's still there. so that's what you gotta remember,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alex Kirilov is back off the IL, uh, and he's a guy that if people did drop him in leagues, you should definitely go out and get. Uh, the question becomes: one, well, what do you think of Kirilov kind of rest of the way, and then you know maybe into the future? But also, does this mean Trevor Larnark is uh, destined to head back down to the minors?
1: Yeah, Kirilov is a dude. Like he led my Fab article, my you know Waverwater wave Fab article this week. Because he's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. And you might look at his surface batting average. I think it's like 240. And be like, well, what are you talking about? But you know, look at the un- underlying metrics here. he's actually been just crushing the ball. 340 XBA. 811 X slug. 641 X Wobicon. 59.5% hard hit rate. 959 average exit velocity. 24.3% barrel rate. He's just been cranking the ball. And he's one of the just the best hitting prospects in baseball. The lowest batting average he ever had in this season in the minors was 283 back in 2019. And that was when he was dealing with a wrist injury for most of the first like half to two-thirds of that season. And he still hit 283. Uh, um, this is kind of like Michael Brantley. He was like, a high average, you know, 25 or so home runs. It's a very good hitter year in, year out. So I love Kirilov. If he's available, go get him. He's already back in the starting lineup. And I think he's going to stay there the rest of the year. But then, like you mentioned, that kind of brings up the question of what happens with Trevor Larnick, a guy who I like almost as much. I think he's a very, very good hitter as well. Good long-term asset for Dynasty Leagues. I do think he kind of goes back down here for a little bit more time in AAA. He's already—he like he did start you know, in the game that Kirloff Kar- came back, but they have a lot of options out there the outfield. They have Kirillov They have Luis Ares, Kepler, who I don't like, but they seem to like. Um so I do think he gets sent down, and you know maybe if he was hitting better, they might keep him up. But he's only hitting two hundred five with one home run so far. So I do think they send him back down. But he's a, he's a guy definitely to keep an eye on long term because I think he's almost just as good as Kirloff and it th- doesn't get that the same buzz as Kirloff does. So uh, definitely a good long term option. But this year I don't quite see it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, in terms of Larnark, like long term, I think I think he's going to be a very very good prospect or a very very good hitter uh, at the major league level. Uh, I've been very impressed with Alex Kirilov. I was not much of an Alex Kirilov guy. Uh, I, I didn't really understand all the hype around him, but uh, yeah, he he's proven me wrong. I mean, I know the, like the overall stat line doesn't look amazing or anything like that, uh, but if you watch him hit, yeah, dude, it's just a pure. Good hitter. Uh, And it it kind of bears itself out if you look at his soft contact percentage, a 2.7 soft contact percentage so far in the Matrix. Yes, a very small sample, uh, but a guy who's never hitting the ball uh, weekly um, is the kind of hitter you want. And, uh, you know, he's not going to, you know, steal bases or anything like that, but uh, he might chip in a few here and there. But I mean, I think he's a legit 25, 30 home run guy with a good batting average in what should be a much better lineup than it actually has been uh, so far in Minnesota. So I like off a lot. I do think Larnock probably gets sent back down uh, here, but they didn't do it initially, which is, I guess, a sign that maybe they're going to give him some chance. Uh, so I think you you kind of ride it until they do send him down, but uh, if they if they send him down, you're probably going to have to just cut bait.
1: Yeah, and it would be interesting to see, too, because, you know, Ares can play multiple spots, so I think there is a way that they could keep him up if that's what they want to do. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to have to start hitting better or he'll probably get sent down pretty quick.
0: Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk some fab. Uh, so looking at some guys who uh, are either interesting pickups for the week or – uh, guys that are being picked up in kind of in uh, leagues, and, and I typically use the roster trends over at CBS. They they work with I think more twelve team leagues, um, and there were a couple interesting kind of younger guys, which I thought were perfect for having you on the show today. Let's start with James Capelion, who's pitched well so far uh, since uh, coming up this year. Are you a Capelion guy? Would you be grabbing him off the waiver wire? I. I would, uh, I'm not a
1: huge Capellian guy because he has had so many injuries over there. Like, he, he only has 102 innings pitch in the minor leagues. And I think he was drafted back in 2015 um, by the Yankees. And they went over to um, the athletics via trade, but that's just 102 innings in what five, six years in the minors. Like he missed two years entirely 2017 and 2018 a lot of injuries on the arm to make his debut till he was 26, but with that said, there is some a uh, chance for some value here. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a frontline guy or a guy you build your staff around, but he could be a good back end guy. You know, decent arsenal four pitches. I think the fastball and slider could be above average offerings. He's getting some good whiffs on that slider right now, but there's no plus pitches here. It doesn't blow you away. Uh, you know, him succeeding is very dependent on locating his pitches, limiting the walks and the home runs, all of which he did very well in the minor leagues. His walk rate in the minor leagues was 5.8%, very good. So if he can keep that going, I think there could be some decent late-round value. He's in a good home ballpark as well, which definitely helps. Um, So I I think there's definitely some value there. But I wouldn't go like crazy and blow a lot of fab on Caprillion because there's a lot of risk there. You know, I think the risk outweighs the potential reward with Caprillion. And those are guys I just don't like to go all in on. If you can get him for maybe, you know, kind of in that Howard range, 20, 30 bucks, maybe up to 40, I would. But I don't think you're going to get him for that much because everyone's starving for pitching in Fab you know, mm-hmm. you know, every every single week. So I think he's one of those guys that, you know, because he's kind of like the name of the week, he might go for, a, you know, double what I'm willing to spend on him. So, um, yeah some some decent you know back end value but nobody i'm really going all in on
0: yeah i'm i'm actually right there with you uh, i i like Caprillian but he definitely struggles within the zone sometimes which leads to the home runs we saw that in the angels game uh i mean yep. luckily for him he wasn't walking anybody that game and so both the home runs were solo shots that he gave up uh and he does pitch in a nice park in oakland I do worry about like he's gonna have some of those blow-up starts where, you know, you get a combination of what he did uh in Boston and what he did in LA against the Angels, uh, where he walks a few too many guys and then gives up the home run and all of a sudden you you've dropped a sixth spot in like four innings uh onto your roster. So I'm I'm I'd much prefer Howard. Uh and I, I think there are other guys on this list that we're gonna talk about that I think I prefer too. Uh, but if he if he can sneak him in for cheap, I think he yeah I think he's worth twenty thirty bucks. I just yeah I th- I do think that especially in your more competitive leagues, people are going to be spending 50 fifty sixty, and we're we're talking about obviously thousand dollar fab here, uh, not hundred dollar fab. But uh, I think people are gonna spend $50, $60, 70 bucks on Capelion this week, and I don't think he's that kind of player. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, surprisingly, Alex Manoa has been. Uh, his roster rate has been rising in leagues in which you can stash minor league players. Uh, I didn't think Manoa really had a shot to be up this year until maybe late in the season, but he is dominating AAA, and so people are getting ready thinking that the Blue Jays are going to make a move here at some point and get their former first round pick up there. So are you stashing Alex Manoa?
1: I am. And yeah, I was with you Like coming into like spring training this year. I thought, yeah, he'd be God. We saw a second half of the year because, you know, he was drafted in 2019 when he got like, you know, like 20 or so innings in later in that year before um, season ended after the draft and then obviously missed 2020. But He's a very advanced arm. I thought he was going to start at double A. I really did. And I I was maybe that was me kind of hoping because that would mean I'd probably get some looks at him because that's up here in the double A Northeast league where I get to see a lot of guys live. So I was hoping that he'd be down there, but they put him at triple A. And, you know, these assignments, we really got to look at how these teams are, you know, where they assign these guys that that shows what they think of them. And that I think they think that Manoa is ready and, yeah, Toronto's been really looking for that impact arm. They, they, they tried getting Pearson back up. I think they rushed him a bit. Um, now he's dealing with that kind of a shul- minor shoulder issue. So I do think Manoa is the next one to get the call up and It could be for his next start. And, you know, I'm hearing rumblings about that. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But, yeah, he – if there's a term stronger than dominating, I, I'd use that because he has just been absolutely just mowing everybody down, giving up one run in 18 innings – 40.9% strikeout rate. It's ridiculous. Like his slider is absolutely filthy. You know, if you want some good looks on that, uh, Jeff Ponce was at one of his starts, uh, recently, uh, he, he mowed down Jeter downs, you know, a very good hitting prospect for the Red Sox and back to back at bats with that slider. So it's absolutely filthy, you know, fastball is a plus fastball as well mid nineties with good run on it. Solid enough change up, um, to offset, the fastball slider. So, Yeah, I do think he's up soon. Maybe, you know, even if it's not for his next start, I think it's going to be within a month because Toronto's really looking for that impact arm. And I think he could be one that hits the ground running. He's very advanced. He was a collegiate guy um, at West Virginia. Very advanced arm, very good arm. Misses bats, doesn't walk many guys. Kind of all the things you want. Like for those are the guys I I will target a little more heavily Uh, for rookies, the guys that don't walk a lot of guys and that can really hit their spots, miss bats. And Manoa, he checks off all of those boxes. So uh, I definitely, if you can get him now, stick in for a few bucks. I would because when he comes up, he'll be one of those guys that cost you a lot more in Fab. So yeah, definitely a good a good time to target Manoa.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for those of us who play primarily in NFBC, you can't pick up these kind of guys. You have to wait until the Fab right. Blues after he's called called up. But for those of you playing in ESPN, Yahoo, FanTrack, CBS. Uh, you know places where you can go and stash these guys. Yeah, I think now's time to stash Manoa. Great uh, slider, great fastball. Uh, like you said, I think the changeup is usable and enough to give him a legit third pitch. A yeah. Pretty good command for a guy who's a power pitcher too. Like he's not a guy yeah. who's going to walk the yard, and he hasn't walked. Any you know really anybody in the minor league so far, though obviously very very small samples because we're talking about a 17 inning sample in 2019 uh, in low A and then now a triple a sample of 18 innings so hard to like really just look at the stats and be like oh this is what he is because I mean we're talking about uh, 35 innings but I mean there's there's just a ton of talent in this arm and I mean it's not like the Blue Jays are, like, flush in the rotation right now. So, like, right. they could easily use him uh, to strengthen the rotation. Maybe this is why the Blue Jays didn't go and get another arm in free agency that was, like, impact. Because this is a team everybody's like, man, they've got all the the right building blocks to make a really good run right here. Uh, and all they need is another starting pitcher or two. Uh, and maybe they saw Manoa and We think he's pretty close to ready. Uh, give him a little run in, in AAA and then, and then let him fly. So, uh, yeah, go go stash Manoa uh, or even try to maybe even try to get him in a dynasty league, though. I think his price be pretty high <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I, I unfortunately dealt him to James
1: Anderson in a dynasty league uh, back in. I think it was like spring training, like February, March or so. And now James Anderson is probably the highest around on Manoa. And now I, I honestly forget who I got. But I'm sure I'm gonna reg- if I look back and find out who I got. I'm probably gonna regret making that deal at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know Toronto. Yeah, I think that I think you hit it right on the head because not only do they have Manoa, they have Pearson, who I'm very, very high on. I think he could be a frontline guy, and they also have Simeon Woods Richardson, who I saw a couple weeks ago live. He's in double-A right now, looking very good. So yeah, they have three guys that are very talented and not too far away. So um, that could be a very good rotation for a long time for Toronto.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next guy on the list, uh, is Michael Fulmer. Uh, Fulmer still available in a fair amount of leagues, especially in your ESPN, Yahoo, uh, uh, Fantrax, CBS leagues. Uh, getting some saves here and there. Is this, uh, is this like a, a new Michael Fulmer as a closer, uh, in Detroit? And would you be grabbing him? Yeah, I think it is. I think this was the right move because,
1: you know, you look at Fulmer over the years as a starter, he was never really, like, effective and durable. Like, he never made 30 starts in a year, was never really that good. He was, like, there was some years where he was like, okay, passable, but never really a guy that lived up to the expectations that, you know, he had coming up through the minor leagues and when he first debuted uh, in Detroit. So I think this is the right move. And you look at, you know, this, this year, as a starter, ERA was 497, 134 whip a very, very mediocre 12.5% strikeout rate. As a reliever, 189 ERA, 0.9 whip, 29.9% K rate, which is, you know, that's above average for a reliever, not like elite. You you see guys like Karinchak checking out like 45, 50% of the guys, but um, very, very, um, a lot better as a reliever. You know, fastball is up about two miles an hour in the shoulder stints, which is, is to be expected. Um, he's up near 96 miles an hour now, after being kind of like mid to upper 93s as a starter, using the slider and changeup more. He's kind of ditched the curveball. So yeah, I think he's definitely factoring in. You know, and Soto hasn't been terrible, but hasn't been great either. He's been walking a lot of guys, whips really high. So I think at least it's a timeshare right now, kind of with both getting lokes depending on you know what the you know what three hitters are coming up in that inning, kind of playing the matchups, but. I think if, if kind of each of these guys continues pitching as they have so far, I can see Fulmer taking over that, that kind of role pretty soon here. So, yeah, he's, he's a great one to target now because uh, I think the price will probably still be fairly reasonable on him. It's because people are kind of remember what Fulmer has been and might look the other way or look on to the next guy. But definitely could provide some solid value. And even – Even these closures on bad teams provide value, because usually when these bad teams are winning, they're winning in close games. So um, definitely some solid value here for Fulmer the rest of the way.
0: Well, especially with so many situations kind of up in the air and being fluid, it's nice to get a guy who looks like he's locking himself into at least a timeshare, and he's the righty, right? So we get some righty bias, you know, get more opportunities uh, being a righty. But he he has been very, very good. I never thought that Michael Fulmer would profile well as a reliever right? <laughs> uh, but it seems to be working because of his health history like this is a really good spot for him uh, he's getting swings and misses outside of the zone he's getting swings and misses inside of the zone zone contact percentage uh, is down considerably from where he's been throughout his uh, career uh, He's his swing and strike rate is the best of his career I, I mean I think this is a, a guy that yeah, I mean, he's on Detroit. They're not going to win a ton of games. Uh, you know, he probably will give up some opportunities uh, to Soto here and there. But he is pitching like the best uh, guy in their bullpen right now. And I think they they seem to trust him quite a bit. And I think that goes a long way. So, uh, you know, obviously, especially with his health history, things could fall apart in an instant. But if you're desperate for saves and, and you're, you're he's definitely a guy who he's available in way too many leagues right now. Uh, and should be rostered uh, because every save is valuable, uh, especially in 2021. Yeah,
1: I, I think a lot of us are desperate for saves, right? Even the <laughs> ones that drafted. Like you and I were talking about this before we started yeah. recording about you know how you drafted a ton of guys and relievers that you thought felt good about in TGFBI, and, and even me in in my home uh, keeper league with my friends. Coming into the year, I had uh, this year I had Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, and Kenley Jansen, and yeah, that's worked out now, but. They had, like, one save combined the first three weeks. It's been mm-hmm. a weird, weird year for closers.
0: It really has. And, I mean, this may be more of the norm moving forward. So, I don't think it's going to get much easier. So, uh, being able yeah. to identify guys like Fulmer off the waiver wire are, are going to be what helps you in that category. And, ultimately, help you in leaks this year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ian Happ has come off the IL. Uh, and He was dropped. By a lot of people, um, you know, because he was struggling before he got injured in that just ugly collision, uh, out mm-hmm. in, in center field. Um, but he has been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball since. Uh, and he's obviously for, for those who didn't pick him up last week, he's going to be a huge, uh, commodity pickup this week, uh, in fantasy. How aggressive would you be on Ian Happ? Very aggressive because,
1: you know, there wasn't even when he was struggling before he went on the I.L., there wasn't really a lot of alarming metrics. You know, yeah, the K rate is up this year. Sure. But you look at like all the contact and swing metrics. There wasn't anything that really stood out that kind of signaled why he was struggling. Right. Everything was kind of in line with, you know, with previous years and in some cases even slightly better. So I think it was, you know, the fact that he was getting a little unlucky. But the power is still there. He has a 90th percentile hard hit rate this year, 76th percentile bail rate, 73rd percentile average exit velocity. So he's still hitting the ball very hard, still walking good amount. And like you mentioned, you know, since he came off the IL on the 15th, 11 for 31, full home runs, 7 RBI, 7 runs scored. Um, I think I wonder if he, you know, he's been hitting kind of lower than he used to be. Like he used to lead off for Chicago a lot. Now he's been hitting like six or seven, and there's since he returned. So maybe he moves back up now that he's hitting well. Um, but yeah, that Shergo lineup has been pretty good this year with Chris Bryant's resurgence. So yeah, I'm definitely all in on Hap because I never really got out on Hap, but I've always been a, a big Hap guy. Love the power, the on base ability, the run production that he brings.
0: The blow Hap. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was a big Hap guy coming into the season. I was definitely uh, disappointed with where he started, and then he got hurt, and it was such a devastating looking injury that I was really yeah. worried he was going to miss a whole bunch of time. Thankfully, he's back, and like you said, crushing the ball in 355 since he's been back. Four home runs. Uh, I yeah, I, I if he's available in your league, you need to be aggressive, and uh, I, I think he is going to be a guy that uh, you know could work his way back up. Uh, to you know, top part of the lineup though he isn't walking right now though of course when you're when you're crushing the ball the way you are <laughs> you're not wanting to take a walk so uh but right. I mean he and he's still a 12% walk rate for the season a career 12% walk rate uh so we could find him back in the one spot or the two spot uh here uh very quickly yeah I I don't know what more to say like I think this is a guy that people uh just dropped because either they didn't have much room on their roster with all the other injuries or they saw how devastating that injury looked and thought oh he might be out for quite a while uh mm. so i think he's uh yeah you got to go get ian happ right now
1: yeah and if you're in yahoo leagues he had second base third base oh, and God, output I eligibility God about that yeah like, i don't have any leagues this year on cbs or espn but i do have a couple on yahoo and then obviously you know, nfbc and Fantrax. but yeah yahoo leagues he has that three position eligibility which is absolutely beautiful yeah. and needed in this year when you gotta be very flexible with all these injuries you know, that's that's definitely a bonus
0: yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> i don't play on yahoo because i don't really love everybody having eligibility but Right. <laughs> uh, if you, I know a lot of people play. I think it's the most popular site for fantasy sports. So, uh, you know, if you're playing over there, you know, enjoy that second and third base eligibility because it's going to be super valuable to be able to move a guy like him, especially how hot he is, uh, all around your uh, roster.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Uh, Hansel Robles uh, has gotten a few saves. He's got two saves in his last four outings. Uh, I mean, this whole Twins bullpen was supposed to be a strength. It has not been a strength for them. <laughs> Do you think that Robles, uh, who has put up a pretty nice line so far this year, is grabbing this role? I think he definitely is at least in that
1: mix. I don't know if he grabs it like and runs with it as the, the sole guy for save opportunities. Because, you know, Colom is looking a little better than he did earlier in the year. Still not great here. He's pushing five right now. Rodgers has looked okay, but yeah, this is not a great situation in general for fantasy purposes with having these three guys kind of in the mix. You know, they've all gotten saves this year. Um, they all have two saves on the year, and Minnesota just hasn't been great in general. It's not a lot of save ops there, but with Robles in general, I like him. You know, he's really been using this changeup. I think he's increased the changeup usage each of the last three or four years. Um, this year, you know, pushing forty percent with that changeup. And he's a 0.74 batting average against, 0.74 slug against, 31.9% whiff rate. It's been a very good changeup for him. So yeah, I think he's definitely at least in the mix, right? So maybe you won't know, take it and run with it, but definitely a guy that could get some save ops here. I think it might be another you know, matchup-dependent thing. So, but definitely if you need some saves, he'll probably get at least some moving forward. here. Maybe you know, five to 10 saves the rest of the year, which, you know, a lot of us will take whatever we can get when it comes to saves right now. So definitely a guy, at least I, I would be targeting fairly heavily in fab. You know, I wouldn't go out and spend a, a ton on, on him in fab. Like, I won't go like a hundred on him, but maybe he's a guy, another, you know, 40 $50 guy in fab this week. You know, it's, it's always hard to say. With closers, because you always look at somebody every week that like blows their fab mm-hmm. on any potential closer. So it's really hard to say like what would get him in fab. This is so league to league dependent, but definitely a
0: guy I would put a, a decent amount on. I mean, anybody who's getting saves as value right now, right, exactly. um, which is you know like the really difficult part, because I think this is going to be a really fluid situation throughout the year. And I do think, considering they spent money on Kalame that they're going to want to get him back into the role at some point. And while the, the the line looks pretty good for Robles, I mean we're we're talking about a 289 ERA or 107 wit. Uh he's getting really lucky here. Uh at the same time, like he's got a 175 BABIP yeah. um <laughs> which is clearly not going to be sustainable. Uh, He's walking a lot of guys, you know, 15% walk rate, you know, or 16% walk rate this year. Um, These things are going to come back to haunt you or come back to haunt him at some point. That being said, like, you know, when you don't pay for saves or you're in a position where you're having to kind of go to the waiver wire and be aggressive for saves, you're just churning and burning anyways, right? So... Uh, you know, you're going to you, you just go and ride it until the wheels fall off and hope that, you know, maybe the wheels don't fall off or you get a really long extended period of greatness until they do.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Uh, Chris Bubik uh, came up and uh, was really, really impressive in his uh, first start. Uh, is, is Bubik a guy that you're uh, interested in picking up? Honestly, not really.
1: He's had really been the guy that really impressed me through the minor leagues. You know, he he walks a bit too much. You know, he doesn't have the great swing and miss stuff. You know, his K rate was pretty good in the minor leagues. But at the same time, outside of the changeup, he's a very good changeup. It's a plus changeup. But outside of that, the rest of the arsenal is kind of meh. It's average. Uh, Not a lot of big swing and miss offerings there. Doesn't have a big breaking ball that he can get generated a ton of whips on. So I I, I think long term he's definitely a starter, uh, but I think especially once Kansas City gets up all the rest of their guys, like he's out of like their top like five pitching prospects. I like him the least. Like I like Coar more, Daniel Lynch more, um, Asa Lacey more, Brady Singer more. So I think he's just a back end guy that can just eat eat innings. And if you need that, you know that's great. You go out and get him. But like and maybe the ratios will be decent enough. But I don't see him. Being a guy that misses a ton of bats, even this year, the strikeout rate is at 20%. And I don't think it's ever going to be a guy that's like 25 plus percent there, you know, never really approaching a caper inning, even though though he did in the minor league. So, with strikeouts being, you know, pretty valuable for pitchers, I just don't see it. I think he's a guy that, you know, in your 12 teamers, maybe you're, you know, streaming in good matchups, but never really building your rotation around or even a guy that's going to be on your team for the entire season. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably let somebody else use their money on, on Bubish this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like Bubic, but he's one of those guys, like you said, he just doesn't strike out a ton of guys, which means he really needs to rely on that command and control. And the command and control has been fairly good this year. He, he's walked a few guys, you know, walking to 13%. Uh, so I mean, that's, that could be a little bit scary, but he's getting a lot of ground balls, inducing a lot of weak contact. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a, a really small margin for error for him, but it pitches in a nice ballpark in a division that yeah. isn't very tough. Uh I think he's usable. Um and especially if you're we're talking about fifteen team leagues, uh, you know, your 12s you twelves, you're you're probably matchup based. And he's pitching today, so and I think he's going up against Detroit. So I mean this'll be a really uh this would be a really good matchup, but by the time you listen to this you're not going to be able to use him, so you're kind of just picking your spots with him, uh, kind of moving forward and and hoping that you can kind of use him in good lineups uh, or uh, against bad lineups in good matchups, and especially at home. Home's a good place. Kaufman, good place to pitch uh, for a guy like uh, for a guy like Bubich. So, uh, yeah. not a guy that I'm going out of my way to necessarily target this week. Uh, do would you prefer him? I, I think we both, uh, you know, prefer uh, Spencer Howard to him. Would you yes rather target Kaprelian or would you rather target Bubich?
1: Uh, probably Caprellian. I think he has uh, the the better ability to miss bats. As I, I think mm-hmm. overall the ratios could be pretty similar between the two of them, but just the higher strikeout potential. Probably yeah, I'd, I'd go Caprellian
0: there. I think I'd rather go Bubic just because I feel like he's got the higher floor. Oh, he does, absolutely yeah. does,
1: yeah, yeah. He's he's much safer, doesn't have injury history. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely a safer option between the two. So if you want safe and you want security and guy that'll get you innings and pitch for
0: you the entire year, yeah, Bubich is definitely the better option there. Uh, let's uh, let's move on over to Tyler Rogers, who's been getting saves in San Francisco. Um, this is a. I think somewhat of a fluid situation, but right now Rogers is the guy who seems to be getting kind of the, the run here, uh, over, uh, um, Oh God, no, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, McGee. <laughs> over McGee. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> forgetting guys on my own teams. Uh, <laughs> is, do you think Rogers is going to cement himself as the guy? And would you, uh, target him in fab maybe over Hansel Robles?
1: I think I might, just because like you mentioned, he seems to be kind of taking over that role. You know, McGee looked pretty good to start the year. Then he kind of started faltering. Yeah, Rogers, he wasn't a guy I ever thought I'd be like targeting in fab, right? He doesn't look like your prototypical closer. You know, he's got the, the, the under you know, sidearm motion there. Doesn't strike out many guys at all. You know, the K rate is 13% this year, which is, well below average for a starter and even more so below average for a reliever. But the thing with him is that he just, it's hard for batters to square him up, right? Like he doesn't give up hard contact at all. You look at first career, or at least the last three years here, the exit velocity on him is below average eighty-four and a half, eighty-five point eight, eighty-three point four 84 and a half, 85.8, 83.4 this year. Doesn't give up many. He hasn't given up a barrel in two of the last three years wow you know, first first career is 0.5 percent he's given at one barrel the last three years which is ridiculous and a 194 xba you know 227 xwoba just doesn't give up any hard contact and outside of the, the k rate and the whiff rate a lot of high percentiles on that savant page a lot of like 95th percentile or better so he just limits hard contact. It kind of like reminds me of like a Koji Uihara that pitch, you know, had some success for my Red Sox about, you know, seven, eight years ago where he wasn't a big strikeout guy. Wasn't a hard thrower. I think he averaged like 88 miles an hour on his fastball. And, you know, with, um, with Rogers, what's his average fastball velocity, even though 82.2, but just like that motion, it's just hard to really pick him up, hard to square him up. And that, you know, that has value as well. So, you know, if you don't need the strikeouts and you're looking for more of the ratios and the saves, which are very valuable, you know, and San Fran is looking very good this year. It kind of surprised me. I don't think San Fran would be this good of a team this year. Um, they're kind of sticking around. So I think there's be plenty of save ops for, for Rogers moving forward and definitely a guy to be targeting in Fab.
0: I do think this is going to be somewhat of a fluid situation. Um, I think him and McGee will share the role, but I do think he's going to get a large percentage of this uh, of this split uh and it comes down to the fact that managers go with their guys and if you remember like early in draft season in 2020 rogers was a guy that kapler was talking up about how he really thinks he could be a in and guy for them that uh that you know they did like during the layoff between you know the the season being postponed in uh, the start of the season, uh, the Giants um, team or the Giants organization did like an outside the park baseball uh, thing, and Kapler instituted Tyler Rogers as the closer in the game, and then talked about like just how much he really really loved him um, as a as what he thought could be uh, like a high leverage reliever. I think he just really likes Rodgers, yeah. and I think he's going to go with him um, quite a bit. Now They they gave, they paid Jake McGee a little bit of money. Uh, he was successful early in the season, so I do think he's going to get his shots here and there, but I think Rodgers is kind of emerging as the guy in spite of the fact that he does not profile uh, <laughs> as your traditional reliever. But like you said, that motion, that underarm motion, really throws off hitters. I mean, yeah, it it's does. it's so hard to pick up uh, and, you know, you, you see it coming at one eye level, it goes to a different eye level, uh, and it in- does, it induces a ton of weak contact. Usually you don't love a reliever with a 91% zone contact percentage, but when you're getting the amount of ground balls or cheap pop-ups that, that Rogers gets because he changes the eye level so well, uh, you're going to be effective. Now... They're obviously they're going to be games in which he does not place the ball well, and he gets crushed. We saw this in 2020 when they tried to make him the closer. But uh, you're also not having to pay a huge price for a guy with a .70 ERA and a .82 WHIP right now. I mean, it's just, uh, and the defense behind him is very good with Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria and Donovan Solano. Uh, I, I think it's a I think it's a really good spot and um like you said the Giants have been surprisingly good this year I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off as a Giants fan but they might be able to keep this together fairly well and uh they're really doing on the back of that rotation and the back of the strength of the bullpen uh and you love to see kind of those two strengths paired together when you're looking for saves and cheap saves and, and Rogers is that guy
1: yeah, no for sure. And it, it's kind of funny that you know we all kind of figured that the Padres and the Dodgers kind of run away with things and mm-hmm. you know they have they have, you know, it's funny all three of the best records in the National League are all in that West because the Padres are 29-17 and then both San Fran and LA are 28 and 18. Um so yeah, that that's been a very very interesting development to see the see the Giants kind of excel without having you know, any superstar you know, players in that team. The rotation's been doing very well. Posey's looking like the Posey of old. You see, you, you're getting good defense there in the infield. All these things that you know might not turn into a lot of fantasy value uh, for us, but this it works for the Giants. So yeah, it's been really fun to see them uh, back into being good.
0: I'm interested to see when they start bringing up some of these uh, prospects that are yeah. are in the minor leagues. You know, uh, Helio Ramos uh, is is a, a really interesting bat and. In spite of their success, their offense has been middle of the pack this year. Um,
1: yeah. with really that, that pitching has been absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal.
0: So I do, I'm, I'm interested to see if and when they go, listen, we're, we're you know, I, I think if they're still in it towards a trade deadline, they're going to start going, okay, maybe we start bringing up some of these impact bats from the minor leagues and, and seeing if, if they can kind of help get us into the playoffs. I still, uh, I, I don't know if it's my fandom. Speaking, and I'm I'm just ready for my heart to be broken, or if it's the analyst, I mean, it looks at this team on paper and goes, "There's no way this is a playoff team," but somehow they're doing it. Hey, I'm
1: right there with you, man. As as a Red Sox mm-hmm. fan, I know I knew the offense would be really good, and it has been. Uh, I think it's like number two in baseball and runs per game. But I'm waiting for the the wheels kind of the fall off this pitching staff, which has been very good and has helped the Red Sox be the number one team in the American League. But I'm just waiting for Erod to get hurt, Richards to get hurt, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ready right to get hurt. <laughs> with, yeah, yeah Evaldi, <laughs> who's who was pumping gas last night, looking really good. Struck out Harper a few times. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off as a Red Sox fan, too. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't.
0: Uh, Spencer Turnbill, uh, surprisingly, even after a no-hitter, is not super widely <laughs> owned, especially in shallower formats. Uh, I mean this is a guy who had some kind of uh some sleeper status the last few years has yet to really uh deliver it except for the no hitter. Uh, are you picking up Spencer Turnbull? I am. Yeah, he he's he's really impressed me this year. I can,
1: again, I don't think he's going to be a guy that, you know, really sticks and is one of the key guys in your rotation the rest of the year, but he's pitching very well. 2.88 ERA, 0.96 WHIP. You know, I think it's just like people just overlook Detroit for whatever reason. People just don't want to pick up these guys in Detroit, even though there's some sneaky good fantasy value there on both sides of the ball. And, you know, with Turnbull, he's never been a big strikeout guy. Like he's always been right around 21, 22%, which is right around league average. I think league average is like 21.5% or so um, for starters. Um, but nothing fluky about what he's doing. You know, XBA is 206. His xERA is 3.02, so right in line with that 288 ERA. Doesn't give up a lot of barrels. You know, he's been getting solid whiffs on both his breaking balls, um, slider and curveball, both kind of pushing 40% whiff rates there. The fastball has been a very effective pitch for him as well. A 170 batting average against there, even getting some good whiffs on the fast, the four-seamer as well. So yeah, really, you know, that fastball, slider, curveball which he you know combined he throws that those around 75% of the time are all three very good pitches for him and the ch- the changeup in the sinker of kind of what have been getting hit harder this year um but yeah i think there's some decent long term appeal there and like you mentioned it's kind of funny that he's not getting more love for throwing a no-hitter i guess people are just kind of like oh another no hitter it's been you know number 6 of the year already and we're in mid may right now so <laughs> um it was just getting kind of ridiculous but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm definitely looking at a Spencer Turnbull here because
0: I think there's definitely some staying power. Yeah, I mean, he's getting a ton of ground balls, 54% ground ball rate yeah. right now uh, on top of, uh, I mean, just pitching very effectively and efficiently uh, in games. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's got necessarily a ton of upside. I wonder if he's getting a little bit of help with the ball, not going out of the park as much with the new ball uh, this yeah. year because, I mean, home run rate is just astronomically low and I mean he's a guy who's been kind of a low home run rate guy in the past but I think he's getting a little bit of help hey I'm here for it I, I think yeah. he's uh, yeah. a, a very underrated right now I, I am surprised that he isn't uh, more uh, owned in, in leagues right now but uh, take advantage of that go and get him right now I mean his, his hard hit percentage right now um, is 22% like that's that's nothing for a guy like him so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm here for Spencer Turnbull uh, yeah. Brendan Rodgers was like a big you know name in spring <laughs> that people were really, really excited about. And then he did what Brendan Rodgers tends to do, which is get hurt. Uh he's back now. Um in his first game back, he at I think sixth in the lineup in Colorado. Uh is is Rogers someone we should be picking up from the waiver wire? Man, I want to say yes. I really
1: want to say yes here, but I, don't know, I, I did include him in my waiver Wire Fab article this week as kind of a guy. He's got kind of the upside, right? And I even mentioned this in my article. Like, there's no way. Like, I can't slice and dice his metrics at the major league level and make them look good. Like, there's not – he hasn't been unlucky. He's just been flat out bad. So there's no way you can really slice and dice that to make it look good. But, again, you look at, at the minor league pedigree – and he was a very good hitter in the minor leagues, hitting near hitting near 300, showed some power. Like he is definitely a legit bat. But with the Rockies, I don't know. We've seen how they've handled their young guys, and I think there's a chance he starts every day here moving forward. But at the same time, they could easily move McMahon back over the second and start Josh Fuentes at third. Like they they can move guys around in this lineup. And yeah, he started each of the last um the two days but I don't think he's in the lineup today from what I've seen um but I don't know he's, he, there's a lot working against him but if you want this an upside play I wouldn't go after him in probably 12 teamers but maybe 15 plus teamers definitely has that upside um he could be like a 270 to 280 hitter 20 to 25 home runs at the major league level especially in Coors Field obviously he gets a nice boost there but I don't know this is so much risk there with the injury history just with how Colorado handles their young guys in general like Garrett Hampton is finally getting a chance to start every day in center field after a few years of getting you know bounced around um, to the bench and to multiple spots so I don't know if you, if you want an upside play sure but in your 12 teamers I probably wouldn't
0: I'm just always afraid of injuries with them I mean it yeah. just He has not been able to stay on the field, and I think a lot of that, uh, you know, the struggles have been being bounced around between the minors and the majors and being bounced around between, you know, the active roster and the IL. Uh, I do think there is talent in this bat. I don't think it's ever going to be the kind of talent that the name suggested, right? I think people thought, oh, this is going to be a guy with, like, 30 home runs that can, you know, steal maybe even double-digit home or still double-digit bases, uh, you know, hitting in cores. You're talking about 280, 290, 300 kind of batting averages. Uh, that's not who he's going to be. I think he's going to be like a 260 guy that, if he gets full run, can hit 20 home runs, steal a handful of bases. That has value, especially a second base, uh, which isn't the the deepest of positions. Uh, but th- there's always going to be the fear that he's going to end up on the IL, and and you're going to either have to hope that your team, you know, isn't beat up enough where you can stash him or you're going to end up having to drop him. And so like, he's not a guy that I want to necessarily invest a ton of fab into because we could be talking next week about how Brendan Rogers hit just hit the IL and you've blown, you know, 20% of your fab or something like that on him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a high risk, high reward play, right? I mean, he's a guy that has some upside and, but the, the, the floor is as equally low as the ceiling is high
1: yeah i think this is gonna be a a matter of there will probably be somebody in every league i'm in that wants brendan rogers more than i do like someone is gonna be like oh it's brendan rogers he's back and and blow more fab than i'd want to so yeah i don't see myself getting him in any league (laughs) to be honest with you
0: absolutely uh all right let's finish up with cody poteet um who's a prospect that people don't know a ton about uh, was been very impressive so far in small sample. He's pitching right now as we speak. Has gone one inning, given up only one hit, no walks, uh, so far, uh, in his start against the Mets today. It was one of my, uh, DFS, uh, cheap, uh, plays of the day because he was extremely cheap. I don't think he's going to be so cheap if he throws, uh, a, a good outing here today. So is Cody Poteet a guy you're interested in, in picking up?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that he's getting the shot this year because there's so many bigger names in this Miami org that people maybe thought that Edward Cabrera would get a look. Now he's been hurt. And then obviously Sixto has just basically disappeared for the last few months. And still, we still have no idea when he'll be back. So that kind of opened up the shot here for Petit, who, yeah, you mentioned he's not the big prospect name. He was never ranked highly on any publications, you know, prospect rankings, including my own. You know, he's... But I don't think, and maybe in deeper leagues, I'll take a look at him, but he's never been a big strikeout guy, I, even in the, in the minor leagues, well below average strikeout rate. But his thing is that like he's a good command and control guy. Like He's got above average command and control, doesn't walk nearly anybody at all. Um, so that, that definitely helps. He had good change, up, but for the most part, the the... Kind of the overall arsenal is kind of underwhelming. He's like a poor man's Pubeck. Like I think there's you know some decent back end value there, and I think he could be a guy that you know gets some innings and keeps the ratios in check. But just the fact that he doesn't uh, strike out barely anybody at all, I think is going to limit his value to you know pretty well. So I think yeah, if he pitches well today, you he mentioned he's off to a good start in his outing today, he will probably be a guy that. You know, people will spend a decent amount of fab on, but more than I'll want to spend. So I don't see any long-term value here, and there's a good chance that he's a guy that's back down pretty quick once Sixto does return, because um, I think he's he's buried in the, in the long-term depth chart for Miami. He's kind of further down. So I think once they get Sixto back and maybe get Edward Cabrera up at some point, I think he, get, he goes back down. So I don't see a lot of long-term value this year out of Petit.
0: Yeah, I think he, you're right. He's a guy that you can use in short term. I think long term, they're going to have other arms that are going to be more impactful. I mean, this is just a rotation that is flush or an organization that's flush with arms. I mean, they're going to get yeah. Sanchez back at some point. They're likely going to get Eliza Hernandez back at some point. You know, you already spoke about Edward Cabrera. So I do think that this is a short term play. I don't mind it though, because he, he was very impressive or he has been impressive so far. Uh, yeah. and so far today, you know, <laughs> he, he could give up three home runs by the time I post this <laughs> podcast. But uh, so far, he's looking good through his first inning uh, against just an atrocious Mets lineup. Uh, I don't don't know what has happened in New York. Yeah,
1: that, but... that looks like a AAA lineup with what
0: mm-hmm. uh, they've been rolling out the last few days. I know they've been really bitten by injuries, but yeah, that's not a
1: good lineup right
0: now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and that's one of the reasons why I was willing to stream him uh, a little bit today. Uh, because it's just it's the Mets have just been so devastated by injuries. But I, I don't think he, you know, I, I would I would probably take everybody else we've talked about over him in terms of fab. He, he's he's definitely kind of a backup bid kind of guy as yep, opposed to someone I'm targeting in fab. Yeah, I te- definitely agree with that. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. Framil Reyes is going to miss five to seven weeks uh, with his injury. Um, that is a huge bummer. Uh, I don't know that there's anything actionable. You're not dropping Fran Morales, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you, you don't. You don't unless you're
1: really in a crunch. But yeah, he's a guy I would try to hold on to.
0: Yeah, and then Victor uh, Robles hitting the IL as well. Uh, About he, time. He's been he's been dealing <laughs> with that ankle issue, uh, so definitely make sure you're going and picking up uh, somebody to kind of replace him. It's going to be hard to replace his speed like the, the, that's the reason a lot of people drafted him people were very excited about him myself included uh when he started batting leadoff in spring training but he's hitting the il hopefully he can get back here uh fairly quickly since it took them them so long for uh them to put him on the il maybe this won't be a super long-term injury like fran Mellis is gonna be
1: yeah that's that's unfortunate and i don't think there's really any like big beneficiary to either one of these injuries like you know the nationals don't have a lot of good prospects in the minor leagues right now so i don't see any huge beneficiary there i think andrew stevenson will probably be the guy that takes over he's got some speed so if you want some cheap speed in deeper leagues i guess take a look at andrew stevenson but then in cleveland i think they're just gonna put a bunch of guys and see what sticks you know they just called up owen miller he's Kind of interesting. He's kind of like a a Taylor Wallace type of guy where it's just some low-key average, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, not much, you know, overall. But, yeah, no really big ads that kind of
0: are created by these injuries, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I like Yadil Hernandez. He's been actually fairly impressive. Uh, And there was a great article uh, done on him by Ben Clemens over on FanCrafts. Uh, everybody should definitely go and check that out. He could, I mean, he's an older prospect. <laughs> he's a yeah. 33 year old rookie. Um, but he, uh, uh, he's got a little power, got a little bit of speed. Uh, I think he could get some run here too. I think Stevens probably gets the majority of it, but Hernandez is an interesting guy. Uh, especially in DFS where you're looking, you know, when he's in the lineup, he, he's dirt cheap. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of talent in that bat. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. All right. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. This was a lot of fun. Definitely. Remind everybody to
1: reach on social media and then plug all your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at EricCross04. Uh, I got a weekly waiver wire Fab article It comes out every Friday, uh, though it was Saturday this week because I was a little under the weather on Friday. Um, then do a lot of other dynasty and prospect work uh, earlier on in the week. Usually have an article on each one of those topics every week. Just put out my updated top 300 prospect rankings uh, this past week. You Go check those out. My updated dynasty ranks will be out probably within the next couple of weeks. I've had to do a, a monthly update on those because, you know, values are always changing, um, as we know. And then my two podcasts, five tool podcasts, usually episode every Thursday. And then the Fantrax Tool Shed comes out every Monday. I'll actually be recording that later on tonight with Chris Clegg. So, yeah, check out all of that. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. This was a blast.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason F W F B. Uh, you can read, the majority of my work is over uh, on Fangraphs. Uh, so definitely uh, check that out uh, and hear me on this podcast, TGFBI podcast, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. That will do it for us. Uh, Jason will hopefully be back with me next week. And, of course, Paul and I will be recording on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.